Hello and welcome to Off the Roll. I'm your host, Troy Hirschman. Today on the podcast, we have Jay Bradley as a guest. Jay has um, been an athletic trainer for over 50 years. He is currently the internship director for the School of Kinesiology at IUPUI. He started out at the University of Cincinnati and then moved on to IUPUI, where he's had several roles there, but primarily the head athletic trainer. He's currently not the athlete tra- head athlete trainer there anymore, um, but has some great stories to talk about. Um, he's also done some um, other experiences with uh, USA Basketball and Nike Basketball Camps, as well as been a, a, one of the founding leaders of the Indiana Athletic Trainers Association. Um, this is a we had a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy going off the roll with Jay Bradley. Welcome to Off the Roll. Today I'm with uh, Jay Bradley, uh, alumni of Ball State's athletic training program. Um, uh, 1971 graduate of Ball State University is currently the director of the School of Kinesiology um, internship director at IUPUI, but also a longtime head athletic trainer there, um, as well as some other places that we're going to talk about on this podcast today. So, Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks, Troy. So, I'm going to start this out um, kind of like I've done with all the other shows, and and you have been around a long time in this profession, and. Um, and so I want you to kind of tell your story of how you got started, how you found out about athlete training, how you got started, and maybe how you got the Ball State first. Okay. Well, first, I'll, I'll tell you that uh, you're polite in saying a long time because I've got some faculty members here that call me the dinosaur. So uh, <laughs> aren't we all a little bit of a dinosaur anymore? <laughs> I mean, he's even, he's even asked me how many shoes I go through driving my car like Fred Flintstone. So <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, to be most noted, my father was a, a, an exceptional high school baseball coach. And uh, he never pushed me to play any sports and allowed me to do whatever I wanted. So I tried all the sports. And uh, at the end of the freshman year, I tried just about everything, football, basketball, cross country, tennis. Uh, and at the start of the sophomore year in high school, he called my high school basketball coach, unbeknownst to me, and just simply said, Jay's going to go out for basketball. He's a slow white kid, can't jump, <clears throat> can't play basketball, cut him. But keep him as your manager because he'll do a good job. Now, I didn't find any of this out till just this past summer when I happened to see my high school basketball coach, because also not knowing at that time in high school, my high school basketball coach had been a roommate of Jim Dickerson's in college. Yeah. I even think he was in Jim's wedding. Uh, Wow. Anyway, neither Jim nor my coach ever told me of their connection until many, many years after I'd even graduated from Ball State. But anyway, coach did cut me. I stayed on as the manager. I was planning on the next year coming back as the manager when again unbeknownst to me my dad had signed me up for the Kramer student trainer correspondence course over the summer because all of a sudden one Monday here's a piece of mail for me and it's an eight-page magazine and you read part of it you answer some questions it's got some taping skills you practice Uh, so yeah dad would bring some tape home and I practice on my sisters (laughs) they didn't like that but tough (laughs) Yeah. So where so, did you, Jay, Jay, where did you go to high school at? Pike High School. 
Pike Vivian, High School. Okay. Near Indianapolis. Yes. Yeah. Had uh, you had you really heard? I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt them, but no. I'm trying to set the stage here. So, had you heard of any athletic trainers back then at that time? No. Okay. Not a, not at all. Yeah. And I I thought it was kind of cool being able to do a little bit more than just you know sweep the floor and throw out the balls and you know collect the laundry. Yeah. Uh, two days before high school football started practicing, my high school AD calls me and says. I understand you've taken an athletic training course over the summer. <laughs> if you would be the athletic trainer for all sports, I'll make certain you get a letter per season. So I'm sitting there counting fall, winter, spring, fall, winter, spring. I'll get six, I'll get a letter jacket out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, yes. <laughs> so after the second day of high school football practice, the coach who was supposedly responsible for the athletic training room walked up to me and handed me a key to the training room and said, you take 10 times better than I do. You're just in charge. You just, you just take charge of the athletic training room. <laughs> I later found out that was a master key to the whole school. <laughs> so who was the head football coach at Pike high school then? Uh, Tom Campbell at that time. Okay. And who was the head basketball coach? That Norm Starkey. Norm Starkey. He okay. Was Jim Dickerson's roommate. Yes. Yeah. So over those two years, my junior senior year, I was the athletic trainer for all sports. Now, I then started learning about other athletic trainers. And at that time in Marion County, which for those that aren't familiar, Marion County is where Indianapolis is housed. Yeah. Jim Morris was at Butler. Okay. Don Padfield was at Lawrence Central. Don okay. Padfield is a is a ball state grad. Yeah. And then there was Harold Howard, excuse me, Howard Cat, who was both the AD and athletic trainer at Tech High School. Okay. And then Jay Bradley as a junior, senior in high school. <laughs> you, had some, you had some pretty good company, though. I mean, yes, considering. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and on occasion, yeah, Coach and I would take an athlete either to uh, Jimmy Morris at Butler or John Padfield at Warren Central. And I mean, they'd show me some things and help me out with some things as well. So, uh, yeah, that's how I got my start. I then, as, as honors go, uh, other coaches around the area started recognizing that there I was providing a service that nobody else had. I got named to the 1967 Indiana All-Star Basketball Team as the student athletic trainer. Wow. I then got named to the 1967 Indiana All-Star Shriners All-Star North-South football game on the North team. Now, I later, much later found out <laughs> Glenn Snow was my competition for the basketball and I beat him out. <laughs> and then he was the student athletic trainer for the South team in the Shriners All-Star oh, game. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> and then we were in classes together at Ball State all four years that we were there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, so that's that's where I got my start. Wow. Yeah, that's um. so who was a uh, who was on that all star team in 67? Uh, Willie Long out of Fort Wayne was Mr. Basketball. OK, uh, George Pillow out of Short Ridge, Greg Northington out of Wood High School, which is no longer. Yeah. Uh, John Mungeld out of Elwood. Uh, Larry Weatherford, Rodney Ford. Uh, 
Now I'm going to forget a few names. Now. Yeah, that's that's okay. I was just curious. You know, that's that that had to be a big deal. It had to be a big deal. Oh, it was. It, it, I mean, it was such an honor that even at the end of the school year at Pike, where we have our award ceremony, Coach Starkey pulled me up on this, what I had just found out the night before about the football All-Stars. So he pulled me up on the stage by myself and announced, you know, both the basketball and football All-Stars. And I mean, the whole auditorium stood with applause. I mean, I, I felt so humbled at that time. And then when with with the all-star basketball, you know, we went to Louisville for one game. Right. And our letterman's club always had the tradition of sometime during the summer, making a trip to a sporting event. I mean, we would raise some money and we would go for a week into a sporting event at the end of my junior year. I mean, we went up and watched the white Sox and the Cubs play. All right. So this year I hadn't heard anything about it, but all of a sudden in Louisville, as I'm introduced as a student athletic trainer, way up in the rafters i hear my athletic <laughs> you know letterman's club cheering for me so yeah awesome <laughs> and your own fan club that's awesome and my own fan club yes <laughs> yeah. yeah so so you finish up at pike um were you looking were you looking around to see if you could do this someplace else did somebody give you a recommendation did coach starkey then say hey this is where you're going now, I, really, I really had no help from school. I spent the Saturdays, we didn't have football games before basketball started, and Sundays, my dad and I would travel to all the small schools in Kentucky and Tennessee. I thought I wanted to get out, out away from home. So we traveled and visited with, and, you know, I was finding out that some schools had some athletic training classes. The curriculums were not in place yet. Uh, so, yeah, you can come on as the basketball manager. We could let you be the, but we don't have an athletic trainer you can learn from. So then in February of my senior year, my dad hosted the first ever Indiana High School Baseball Coaches Clinic at North Central. He was a teacher and coach at North Central. He invited Dick Hoover up okay. to speak on baseball injuries. And I was kind of Dick's model up on the stage. Uh, I really got to like Dick. He invited me up for a visit. I drove up one day, got there at eight o'clock in the morning, met Jimmy D, met Ron Sendry. Uh, Bruce Scott was a student at that time. Ron O'Neill was a student at that time. Uh, stayed there the whole day, sat through one of Dick's uh, athletic training classes. Yeah. Sat in the back of the room and said, I know this stuff. I know this stuff. Right. Yeah. So all of a sudden I just go, Dad, I want to go to Ball State. And that was well before the curriculums. Uh, that year, my freshman year, Bud Miller was on sabbatical, finishing up his PhD. Right. So he then came back. Uh, and then a year later, both he and Dick left. Bud went to Penn State, I believe. Dick went up to Northwestern. So that left Jimmy D, Ron Sendry. Uh, and then they brought in, uh, I believe it was Ruddy Adams, yeah. was a physical therapist out of the health center. Cause at that time there was a clause that they had athletic trainer was also the head physical therapist. So, right. So uh, this is, so this is about 67, 68. About 67 is when I started. So right. this would have been 69, 70. Okay. When all that changed and the only semester I wasn't in the athletic training room 
well, no, there were two. <laughs> Dick, Dick kicked me out at the end of my freshman year, spring semester, because he didn't think my grades were good enough. So he wanted me to concentrate on them. And then the winter quarter that uh, I did student teaching. Yeah. But even that quarter, I was at, uh, at that time, it's now Jay County, but it was Portland High School at that time. Yeah. Um, I helped out with the basketball team. I didn't necessarily go on road trips or home games, but after school, before my wife could get back, we only had one car. So before she could get back and pick me up, you know, I'd do the treatments and taping and stuff like that. So, um, so did you have a class with Bud? Not with Bud. My yeah. classes were either with Dick or with Jim. Yeah. Uh, I, I will tell you this because <laughs> we all know how excellent a teacher Bud was. Yeah. In the summer of 72, I think it was, when I'm sitting to take my national certification test, they call me out to go do the, the clinical portions, the skills. I walk in and there stands Bud. And to myself, silently, I did, oh, crap. <laughs> now, was this, was, was this in St. Louis? Yes, this was in St. Louis. This, this was, was in St. I've, I've heard a story. Of, I've heard Glenn's story about took this. took the test at the same time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've heard Glenn's story. Yeah. We both slept with all of our books under our pillow, hoping for osmosis to occur. <laughs> <over the table. laughs> uh. But, but any, anyway... As, as soon as I said, oh, crap, to myself, Bud goes, I can't test him. He was one of my students. So they had to take me to another room, and I, I can pass this now. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. I passed the test for the first time. So, <laughs> well, I mean, what Glenn shared with me was, was, it was it was like a dark room. Was it dark for you? I mean, did they, how many people were in that room when to take your, your, your practical process? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there was the person that read, a second tester, and then the other person was your model. Just yeah. like I did many years later, I did that myself. But right. yeah, I mean, where we were taking the written test was in one of either the baseball or football team's locker room. I mean, they just, they brought in high school desks, just rows and rows and rows. And when they called your name, you just turned your test over, left, did the clinicals and came back and finished it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the clinicals were just like in a small office that they cleaned the furniture out of. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was fairly dark in there. I, yeah. I do think there was a CPR mannequin on the floor, but uh, yeah. But no, after Bud said, I can't test him. Oh, I can pass this. Now. <laughs> yeah. Cause it sounds like Bud, Bud would come up with some of the hardest questions you could think of, you know, well, to... he wrote the first test. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's what Glenn talked about. Like, like he felt like um, that Bud's tests when they, if if he, Bud's tests or Dick's tests were basically practice questions for the certification exam, the tests you guys took yes. at Ball State yes. were, were were basically they were giving you guys questions to see how you would you would do for the certification exam. Right, wanting wanting definitely to make certain you knew your material. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the superficial stuff. It was the deep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they tested everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's, that's the thing. It, there were no domains. It was just no. pure knowledge. Right. <laughs> so, so you end up, you end up at Ball State. Um, what do you, what was your, what was your first assignment? 
what was your did you get assigned to sport and athletic training room what was your what was your first assignment football okay and i came up early because at that time the only two students returning were bruce scott who was doing an internship with the lions ron o'neill who was doing an internship with the eagles okay so they had they had no other athletic training students right so here i was both indian all-star basketball indian all-star football the football game was on a saturday night <clears throat> my folks were at that game because it was at the old bush stadium okay. uh, the next day however my my folks raised and showed great danes and they had to leave for milwaukee because we were going to breed a dog up there yeah. okay so here i sit at home with no ride because Ball State has asked me to come on Sunday yeah. to get ready for two a days that started on Monday. Jimmy D came down and picked me up. <laughs> well, actually, he visited his brother Myron, who lived out just west of Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> so he made it made just a swing down through and picked me up and took me up there. And is it, I'm trying to remember names. The big old house was at the Kitzelman Center. It was, it was a big old house off of campus, west side of campus, where the whole football team was housed. Huh. It was like the top floor was just open. It was all bunk, double bunk beds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's probably long gone by now. Yeah. Well, any, anyway, that's where we were. I didn't know anybody. Right. Uh, Monday morning, I now realized Ben's gym was <laughs> three miles away. So... A couple of senior linemen kind of looked at me pathetically and you need a ride. I said, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so they took me over. They waited on me later at lunch in the evening. They brought me back and I taped a few guys, but at that time I was out in the locker room Yeah, where Dick and Jim and Ron were in the athletic training room. And was this in the, it was this at the time in the new stadium or was this still over? No, 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 no. This was all gym. gym. Men's gym. Men's gym. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. What it was called at that time was men's yeah. gym. Because uh, ball gym was women's gym. Okay. Uh, so after lunch on the second day, the senior linemen come into Dick and go, Jay needs a table inside. He's going to do all of the offensive linemen. <laughs> Dick, Dick kind of was taken back by that, but yeah, he moved the table inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you, I've always, I've always learned that if you can earn the offensive lineman's respect, yes. you're going to be okay. <laughs> you're going to be okay. Not that they're super picky or prima donnas, but, but they, they know their stuff when right. it comes to athletic trainers. So and they, they made, <clears throat> excuse me, they made certain every day I had a ride to and from practice and, yeah. you know, they'd wait on me and, and when it even then came the night uh, at Kitzelman, which was the hazing night for the freshmen, they just stood up and said, Jay's off limits. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they protected me yeah. as, a, as a freshman. Now, then later as school started, I mean, Bruce and Ron came back from their internships. And, uh, I was kind of second fiddle at that time then. But yeah. uh, still, I got a great start that freshman year. Uh, and then I think we only played 
two games, maybe three games across from Ball Hospital. Okay. And then okay. the new stadium opened up enough that we finished out the season yeah, up yeah. at the new stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Because there, there was an episode on the first home game. Because, you know, you had to load from Ben's gym. You had to load everything up in a cargo van and drive it up to the football field. Yeah. And some reason we were a little late leaving. And the home crowd was horrendous. Uh-huh. Somewhere in the route, Jimmy D takes a shortcut across the president's lawn. <laughs> And Hooven's sitting in the front seat just screaming, we're going to be fired. We're going to be fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we're, we're sitting in the back on coolers and stuff because there's no seats in this van. Yeah. It's got the driver and passenger seat. The rest of it just open and all of our stuff's in there. So <laughs> This will get us there quicker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure that Jim cared about any of that stuff. <laughs> no, no, he, we need to get to the field. We need to get to the field. Yeah. Uh, um, so what else did you do in your time? You talked about you had new student teaching up at Portland, but what else did you do in your time at Ball State? Well, I, I covered men's basketball for one year. Okay. Um, and then my senior year, after I got done with student teaching, I mean, everybody else was already fairly well assigned for all the spring sports. But that was the fall, or excuse me, the spring that Ball State actually started men's soccer. Okay. And it was, it was a spring sport at that time. Yeah. And because they didn't have any lock, enough locker rooms out at the stadium, they were working out a men's gym. Okay. So I was in charge of men's gym athletic training room for men's soccer. Uh, they had a couple of road games. So I went, uh, Neil Smotlock, I think, was the head coach. Uh, I think technically it might even been considered a club sport the first, but I was covering it by myself. And if I had any issues, I just got on the phone and called Jim or Ron at the stadium. So, yeah. Yeah. Did, um, so, you know, no men's volleyball. Um, Not really. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I went to all the home games. I mean, right. Was, right. But you weren't, you weren't working any sports men's volleyball at that time. No. And of course, you know, the thing that, that I brought up with, like with Glenn and Ron and, and even Coddington, when I, when we did the podcast with John was that again, there were no women's sports at this time. There were, they were, they were, they were, they were club sports clubs. Well, yeah. And I, <laughs> or intramurals. Yeah. I had, I had a run in. I, at lunch, Somehow I got invited in with Don Chandel, Dr. Gray, Dr. Eddie, and then myself. And we were up on the balconies. We were playing badminton. And I, those guys were good. And they taught me to play some good badminton. Yeah. So then I enter, well, I entered the intramural contest and placed third finally in it. I mean, 150 some guys. Now, yeah. I couldn't compete against the two Asians, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they they wanted i mean they were excellent yeah but then then later on i entered another little tournament over in ball gym and they were using an actual feathered shuttlecock instead of a plastic one yeah and, and they kept calling illegal hits on me because i was shattering the birds <laughs> i was hitting them so hard but yeah you're right, there, there were no women's sports at that time so yeah 
yeah. women's sports, even then when I moved on after Ball State, didn't come into effect until probably 74 or 75 once Title IX hit and then schools yeah. adjusted to allow things to occur. You know, one of the things I haven't brought up with, with I didn't bring up with Ron and I didn't bring up with Glenn. Um, and I, you know, but I think one of, I've always tried to put one of these kind of um, thought process, thoughts or whatever, philosophical thoughts in one of these podcasts with the older athletic trainers. But we talked about uh, no official women's sports, but modality wise, were you using ice at that time or was it still heat exercise? Um, you know, what, what was it back then that you was kind of your go-to for an acute injury? Ice. It still was ice. Okay. Yeah. For, for me, it was ice. I mean, uh, we had an electric at Ball State, we had an electric stem, we had an ultrasound machine. And I got to tell you, Bruce Scott scared the dickens out of me with the electric stem because one day he's showing us how to operate it and he hooks it up on his bicep and then without even thinking he cranks up the dial and boom, he pops himself in the jaw and almost <laughs> knocks himself out. Uh, so yeah, I got a little scared of the electric stem at the start. Yeah. But no, we didn't, we didn't use a lot of modalities at that time. We, we did use a lot of ice. Okay. And even then, even then when I moved on to Cincinnati, yeah, I had stems, I had diathermies, but uh yeah, we used a lot of ice. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, so you so you graduate from Ball State. So what is your thought process? I mean, are you thinking like I've just finished my student teaching? I'm gonna go find some high school job and end up being a teacher and maybe an athletic trainer at the high school level, but that really hadn't gotten caught on yet. What were you what were kind of were you thinking at the end there? Well, it was it had started catching on mostly in other states. Uh I applied and I had phone interviews uh, with a school on an Indian reservation in Arizona. Uh -huh. uh, they wanted me to teach horseback riding and archery. And I didn't think I could do that with Indians. I'm sorry, but uh, they were probably better than I was. Yeah. And there was a junior high down in Florida and I could be a junior high physical education teacher and then move over to the high school to be the athletic trainer. And I was given that serious thoughts up until the NATA convention that summer. Yeah. I mean, that, that happened right at, in, in fact, that summer <laughs> of all things, I had one dance class I had to take over the summer to graduate in August. So I wasn't going to be a graduate till August. Okay? Right. So that phone call came in just before I left for the NATA convention with Jim and everybody else, and it was in Baltimore. And at the national business meeting, Jimmy introduces me to Gene Benner, who was the head athletic trainer at the University of Cincinnati. Now, Gene and Jim had followed each other, Miami of Ohio, Maine, other places. Uh -huh. okay? So they knew each other very well. So I'm sitting in the back row with Gene Benner of the national business meeting, and Gene just goes, do you like basketball? And without any hesitation, and I don't know why, but my answer was, sir, I'm from Indiana. And he goes, good, you're hired. <laughs> he, he hated basketball. He, yeah. was a, he was a football athletic trainer. 
and just hated basketball. So he said, we got to go through some formalities. After you get home from the convention, I need to bring you down for a day. I need to introduce you to the AD, show you campus, the whole nine yards, but you're my pick. So yeah, we schedule a day. We drive down, my wife and I, and we're, we meet Gene over at the football stadium. He then walks us over to the athletic department. We're standing outside the AD's office when he walks out, introduces himself, and I introduce Beverly, and, and Beverly goes, well, I'll walk over to the bookstore or something. And Mr. Smith goes, no, we're a family. You come in with the interview yourself. Wow, okay. So, yeah, it was about 30 minutes. He asked me about five minutes worth of questions, and he talked to Beverly for 25. <laughs> She was, she was an elementary school teacher. Yeah. And uh, as we're leaving, he hands her a sheet of paper with a name and an address on it. And he says, stop by this school district and pick up a teaching application. Because we were going to start looking for schools for her to apply to anyway. Right. So we do that, take it home. She fills it out. She mails it in. Two days later, she gets a phone call. They want her back for an interview. So we drive back down and this time, this trip, we're going to look for housing as well. But uh, I drop her off and an hour later, she comes back out and she's got a sixth grade teaching job. Wow. So, which was a little odd for her because she had student taught in second. She had done one year in fourth up in Marion, Indiana, while I was finishing up at Ball State because she was a year ahead of me. Uh, but then now she's moving up to six. So, but... Yeah, later that fall, Mr. Smith, the AD, has a little Sunday afternoon kind of party for all the new welcoming staff, new staff on the athletics department. And we're standing over in the corner not knowing anybody. And Beverly goes, I think that guy over there is my superintendent. <laughs> a little bit later, Mr. Smith brings him over and says, you know my next door neighbor, he's your superintendent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so when he said we're a family i mean he meant it yeah they yeah. were family. so yeah so yeah i spent nine years at the university of cincinnati main assignment was men's basketball secondary assignment was men's baseball and third assignment was helping football whenever i didn't have anything else going on right and you remember back in those days i mean basketball couldn't start till october 15th anyway literally. right uh yeah so yeah now, now it never stops. Right. It, it just keeps going. No sport, no. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just keeps going. Anything that anything that was memorable at Cincinnati. I mean, anything that 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 you remember that was impactful on you, or that you, or any, it may be any students that you mentored along the way that that um that you're oh, proud several, of. Several of them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, probably at, at at that time in my early career. You know, just the hype about being a, a big time program in the country. Right. I mean, out of the nine years, probably six or seven at least, we were in the ranked in the top 10 in the nation. And just, you know, everybody's out to get you, these kind of things. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, one memorable moment does come to mind. <laughs> we didn't have TV like we do today. Right. I mean, there wasn't a ball game every day, every night, 16 on Saturday, this kind of thing. Right. But there was a Thursday night game of the week. And we were at Georgia Tech. 
getting homered. Right. Really getting homered. And I said something as they were coming down the court. And all of a sudden the ref just stops and tees me up. <laughs> and as he's as he's walking back towards the scores table to report it, I and and I mean coach asked, who was it? And you know, he's pointing down at the end of the bench, your athletic trainer. And everybody in the in the field house got quiet. Yeah. Because they're all staring at why would you give the athletic trainer? Exactly. <laughs> okay. I'm not one to be quiet. So right at that time, I yelled out, first correct call of the night. <laughs> I mean, the place is so dead silent. My wife, who's watching the game on TV back at home, knows it's me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and she heard about it the next day in school. <laughs> so your husband got a technical. <laughs> who, was, who was the head basketball coach? Who, who well, at that time, did you work with? Well, I worked with Gail Catlett for six years. Okay. But he had, he had gotten us into trouble with the NCAA. And... Uh, Ed Badger came in. Ed Badger, who, who had been with the Bulls, later right. with the Pacers. Uh, and he's he's still on one knee on the sidelines while the ref is reporting my technical. And he, he kind of looks at me and he goes, Jay, next time, wait till we don't have the ball. <laughs> I mean, that's all he said. Yeah. <laughs> he knew I was right in doing what I did because we, yeah. yeah, we were getting homer. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was not so memorable because later that spring, we hosted a coach's sports medicine clinic. Uh -huh. And I, I don't know if you ever knew Bert Goble and Skip Warm from Keys Goble Medical out of. I, 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 yeah, I remember Bert. Yeah. Okay. All right. At, they were one of the sponsors for this. And right in the middle of the evening, they stop everything and they award me with the potty mouth award of the year. And they have a, they have a big toilet seat that they raise it up and there's a referee shirt hanging on the inside. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. I heard about that for years. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that, that, um, you know, that as athletic trainers, we find ways to have a lot of fun with each other on those incidents that we're not quite Perfect. You know, um, in the Mac, we have the fickle finger of fate award that gets passed around. And we almost got it here um, <laughs> a couple weeks ago because we we're playing Bowling Green. And for whatever reason, Bowling Green's best player, our coach was actually still in the coach's box. But this player came out of bounds um, to come back down the court and stepped on his foot and turned his ankle and fell on the floor. And I asked their athletic trainer at halftime, like, hey, is your guy okay? And he goes, he's fine, but he stepped on your coach's foot. And I went, really? And he goes, if he wouldn't have come back in the game, we were I was going to make sure that you guys got the fickle finger of fate <laughs> for that. And I go, you know, it doesn't matter. It's just and, – and you can imagine what the fickle finger looks like, the award oh, yeah. looks like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. It, um, but But those are things that, that I think it, that makes it fun in this profession – Oh, yeah. that we don't take ourselves so seriously that that we can't have a little fun with each other and and that's oh, that's still going on and it's it's not healthcare but it's it's fun and that's what keeps you know that's 
keeps the the cordiality of of the competition. We all want to win, but at the same time, um, we don't take ourselves so seriously. We can't have fun with each other, and that's oh, exactly. That's what, exactly. I mean, once once Cincinnati joined what was then called the Metro Conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was always before the conference tournament. The night before was always the pre-tournament banquet. Well, after the banquet, all the athletic trainers, all the team docs, and the student managers would go off on our own and have our own party afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I just, we all got along. Yeah. Yeah. That was, and we even know, you know, your guy goes down on my sidelines. I'm going to help him till you get there. Right. I mean, everybody knows that. Yes. Yeah. So, so talk to me. I mean, this is not athletic training related, but but you were in there. You were there working basketball for nine years. You had to see some great players and in in your in your time there that that you played against or that were on that Cincinnati team. Who were oh, some yeah. of those guys? Derek Dickey played fifteen years in the NBA. Uh, Lloyd Batts played seven years in the ABA. Greg Yurchison played eight years over in Spain. Uh, Oh, Jesse Jemison. Seven years with the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> and mind you, this was even before the three-point line. Okay? Yeah. But even in our college games, he would stand out there to what was now be considered the three-point line. Yeah. And he would either go strang or glass. <laughs> I mean, he was he was calling his shots in he the middle. He was calling his shots. <laughs> In the middle of the game. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those those were some of the first guys. Uh, not so certain I had others. Oh, yeah. Pat Cummings, another 15 years in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, I had a 7-1 kid, Bob Miller, drafted first round by Arizona, and then second day of practice just quit, decided he didn't like basketball. Right. Um Trying to think if there were others that actually made it that high up. Several played over in Europe. Yeah. Um, I even had one, Dave Johnson, uh, got a walk-on tryout with the Dallas Cowboys as the wide receiver. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Just they they loved his athletic ability. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it, it was it's interesting. I don't think people you know they think of basketball players as basketball players. And, and I've had a couple of guys here that I'm like, you know, I know you want to go play overseas, but all you need to do is you need to go. If you get it, if you get it, make the practice squad, you're getting 300 grand, you know, right. you need to, you need to focus on that. And they, they both, both guys I talked to about that were tight end bodies. Athletic is all get out, but just want to go play basketball overseas. It never worked out. And, and um, right. it's, it's too bad, but, it was funny. I've been, I watched a documentary or I'm watching this documentary on Peacock about Joe Montana and um, his quarterback coach for the 49ers, Paul Hackett said, the reason that he was so lethal is that he had this basketball savvy that he would just translate on the football field. And nobody oh. thinks about the fact that, that that's, that's athletic in itself, but it is, and it does have its place in football with certain types of people. Yeah. Well, and adding to that, I mean, you look at a lot of those good quarterbacks. Were they not the point guards in high school? Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you now talk and some of the commentators are taking time enough and talking about how they're looking the first option, second option, so forth. That's what a point guard is doing all the time. Yeah. 
and they probably got that instinct off of basketball. Yeah. 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 So now, you you had asked earlier about students and a couple that come to yeah. mind. Uh, Pat Graham. Yeah. Fact, she did a GA at Ball State, but uh, she was the first curriculum director at UC. Yeah. And then then when she retired, Tom Herman, who was in the same class with her. Okay. Uh, he left and went with. Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank now. Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Bobby, Bobby, it'll come to me. But anyway, he did a master's there, came back then. Bobby Barton. Yes, Bobby Barton. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, took my place. Okay. I, I had left to come to, or to Indianapolis. So he took my place. And then somewhere along the lines, he also got a PT degree. But he is now the master's curriculum director at UC. So, okay. Yes. Uh, had another one, uh, Mary Short, yeah. Uh, anyway, she was curriculum director at a very small school down on the Ohio River, just southwest of Indianapolis, or okay. of Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, several of them have gone on. Yeah. Several of them went on to smaller colleges up in, up in Ohio as well. So, yeah. yeah, there were a lot of great students coming out of that program, so. Yeah. So, so how did you get, make your way back to Indianapolis? Well, <clears throat> my dad again. Okay. High school baseball coach. One Sunday, he gets a phone call from an orthopedist who is also a father of one of his players. His son had run out to get the newspaper, sprained his ankle very badly high ankle sprain was going to be in a in a cast for about six weeks they got to talking and uh yeah this sports medicine something that's really coming along and right i've, I've got a little part-time athletic trainer that's here in the winter time but not in the summertime because he works with uh the montreal baseball team and dad goes well my son's an athletic trainer and da 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 and next thing i know i've got an interview with this doc and i've never even met him yeah. <laughs> so I come and it's Memorial Day weekend. And he takes Beverly and I to the 500 parade Saturday morning. Yeah. Now I didn't have tickets for the race, but you know, we, we agree I'll start August 1 because uh, I wanted to work a basketball camp that was still going on at UC. But uh, yeah, I was breaking the ice an athletic trainer in a, in a doctor's office. I mean, at that time, that was a yeah. rarity. Uh, and it, it had some hurdles as well. Uh, so who is the doctor? His name is George Rapp. Okay. He was, he was the Indians, Indianapolis Indians team physician. Okay. It was Rapp, Cravens, and Reddick. Now, Dr. Reddick, as you probably know, Methodist Sports Medicine, well, they just changed their name to Forte or something. Yeah, Forte. Uh, he was he was my team position all along at IUPUI. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm coming back to work in this doctor's office to help in therapy and get athletes to come into these docs. But I also say to myself, yeah, I just, I want to be on the sideline somewhere. Yeah. And I, as I was telling dad, he goes, well, I know Mel Garland is the basketball coach over at IUPUI. Let me see what he's got. So 
Mel ended up calling me back and says, hey, I'm just the basketball coach. The dean of the School of Physical Education is actually the athletic director. We need to talk this over with him. So I come back to town and we're looking for housing at the same time. And uh, I meet with, with Mel and I meet with Nick Kellum, who's the athletic director, dean of the School of Physical Education. Uh -huh. and, and Dean Kellum goes, we'd love to have an athletic trainer. I know you're working at a doctor's office. We just, we can't afford to pay you much, but I could probably give you $100 a month to be on call and cover home sporting events. Okay. I said a deal. I said a deal. I did that three years. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. To be honest, I hated the clinic. Yeah. I'm not a clinic athletic trainer. There's a difference. There really is. Yeah. I can't, I can't open up a folder. Oh, hi, Troy. How you doing? Right. That's not me. I've got to see you every day for treatments, chit chat, just whatever, watch you in practice. I got to be on the bench with you. So after three years, a teaching position opened up at IUPUI and I jumped on it. Yeah. 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 That's... I mean, we, were, we were a small NAIA program at that time, six sports we started out with. And what? Now we're a Division One program with 20 some sports. So, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 definitely grown exponentially the last couple of years, uh, I mean, especially. Yeah. When, when I finally was replaced and I'm going to use that word. Yeah. Uh, we had 19 sports and I was by myself. I mean, I had I had some students. I had covered 19 years as the head athletic trainer by myself here at IUPUI. Yeah. What most people don't understand was. I was never an employee of athletics. Yeah, you were you were through the school of physical education. Yes. So yeah. I was a faculty member with a volunteer to the athletic program. Yeah. When we went from the NAIA to the NCAA, NCAA said that the athletic director could not answer to an academic unit. So they had to go to external affairs. Right. And at that time, I mean, they forgot a lot of things expense-wise. Like if they were going to keep me on as the athletic trainer, they had to have a salary line, which yeah. they didn't have. Right. I served, well, when the dean was over me, I had half a teaching load and half an athletic training load. But once athletics moved out and he had no oversee of, of the athletic program, I now had to teach a full load. Yeah. So for three more years, I volunteered, but I, you know, it was three o'clock sometimes before I could get to the athletic training room. Yeah. Classes. Well, and that upset the coaches, and I totally understand that. Uh, so then all of a sudden one day the AD says, okay, I've hired a new athletic trainer. Thank you. Boom. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Except that athletic trainer only lasted nine months because couldn't handle the load. It was right. too much as one person. Yeah. So for the next three or four years, they kept me on a retainer to fill in when there were home events and they were the athletic trainer was on the road or I never made any road trips, but yeah, I'd cover when there were more things than they could cover. Right. Until they finally, and I don't know, we've got six or seven athletic trainers now. So yeah. 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 It, it seems like, unfortunately, that 
that area still turns over a lot for them. And, yes. and well, and, we don't pay them anything. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and 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 that's unfortunately the the trend right now with mid majors is that um, you know we have three spots open right now, and it's it's because um, they both moved on to better paying jobs, better situations, better paying jobs, right. um, and and until that, I don't know how that that's going to get solved um, in some way, shape, or form from a from a funding standpoint, but it's like I've explained to a lot of people that's above, that's even above our athletic director that has to come from the president's office, the administration, those types of people that recognize that, that we have to, if we're going to, it's just an investment in a facility or equipment or um, support issues or whatever. And, and it has to be, it has to be an investment in people uh, to take care of your student athletes. And, and if you don't do that, you're going to have this, revolving door that's basically going to happen and that exactly happened to me because again i was always a faculty member yeah so at the end of my (laughs) my seventh year you know i've got to file for tenure or you're gone yeah if you don't get it well (coughs) only doing half a load and the other half being the athletic training assignment yeah i had teaching i had service I had no research. Right. The university required research to be one of your two excellent areas. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, the assistant chancellor is looking over all the tenure resumes and sees that I'm going to get canned. And he understands my importance as the athletic trainer. Yeah. He created a whole new job line as a staff member for me to stay on, but yet still be faculty and staff. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, he, he understood what you're saying. Somebody up above. Understood. Yeah. Understood. That, yeah. that raised some eyebrows in many other schools around campus, but he understood. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a credit to you and, and the work that you did yeah. um, for yeah. somebody up that, that high up that understood that. And, and that is a credit. I mean, we all wonder if anybody's paying attention. Um, and sometimes it comes from the most unexpected places that somebody is yeah. paying attention a little bit. Um, so during this time at IUPUI, um, athletic training in Indiana is starting to try to get organized a little bit. And you were really on the, on the front lines of that. Talk to me a little bit about um, kind of how, how in you know, IATA, the Indiana Athletic Trainers Association, obviously we had the NATA and GLADA had been around for a long time, but, but these state organizations were starting to get organized a little bit more and, and you were on the front lines of that. So talk to me a little bit about those conversations. Who who is that coming, coming from? Uh, Was it, was it a group there kind of, I mean, everybody around Indiana was trying to get that done, but, but it seemed like, it seemed like there was a core group out of Indy that was kind of pushing that along. Yes, and I, I think when you say the core group out of Indy, I think it was mainly just because we were central. Yeah. Okay. Denny Miller had started something a year or so prior. But then the Indy group, taking from Denny, even taking a little bit from John Schrader, Bob Binky, uh, Bud, well, Bud and Dick had left the state by that time, but right. still they had some comments coming back in. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, David Craig, Ralph Reef, Marge Albaum, myself, uh, got a lot of things going. Uh, I actually sat on the committee that wrote the Constitution and bylaws. Yeah. Uh, we then held an election. Uh, David was the first president. Ralph was the first, <coughs> excuse me, president-elect. Ken Evans was the first secretary. I was the first treasurer. Uh, I can still remember March 1, 1984, uh, restaurant at the Embassy Suites. Uh, David and the Pacers paid for dinner for the four of us. That was the first, <laughs> the first board meeting. <laughs> the four of us decided that uh, we needed more. It couldn't be just four votes. We needed more. Yeah. We needed a high school rep. We needed a college rep. We needed a pro rep. We needed, at that time, the district director, I mean, the state the state person to the district of LADA. And that, that was separate from the Constitution at that time. Steve Reisinger was that person. Um, so yeah, we, we bumped it up to seven or eight. And then as years expanded, I mean, more committees, more people came on the executive board. But uh, again, just being central, I had a very nice Dean's conference room, big yeah. long table would seat probably 15 or 16 people. I've been in that room. <laughs> and, well, it's no longer now we've renovated. It's yeah. been taken down its offices now, but uh, the Dean was most appreciative of us wanting to use it. So, I mean, he allowed me to use it uh, for our monthly meetings and so forth for several years. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you do you look back now and just you're still kind of amazed that that I mean, we were always going to grow a little bit, but but amazed to where it's at now. I mean, and and what yeah. it's trying to do. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, we had. A lot of visionaries. I mean, yeah, one of the first things we wanted, because there had been some issues nationwide uh, about legalities. Yeah. Is an ATC really a professional? Okay, um, so that's when then, and even some states had issues with licensure laws because of PTs and what athletic trainers were doing and so forth. So we knew up front getting licensure was going to be one of the things we had to really fight for. We also knew and understood going through legislation that it was going to take time. It was going to take some documented cases of well, this school didn't have somebody to take care of that heat illness or this ACL injury or whatever. So we, yeah, we documented for a long time. We found um, a representative who actually happened to be an uncle of an athletic trainer that would make the first proposal. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you got a dog and you got a bark and then you got the bite. Well, we had the dog and the bark, but we didn't have the bite yet. So we knew that we were going to take some amendments to that licensure law before we could really get functioning. But yes, uh, I'm I am amazed at how quickly yeah. that did occur. And I, I don't know how or why, but for some reason I was reelected for four consecutive terms as treasurer. Yeah. <laughs> we had no money, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did, I did set up the, the IRS's nonprofit thing and so forth, because my next door neighbor at uh, 
Scheidler, my senior year. Yeah. He was a CPA. I mean, and he he did all that for me at, at no cost because he knew we were just an upstart. So yeah. Uh, I finally, finally, even the, the fourth time I was reelected, I, I told the committee, I said, just put my name on there and then I'll bow out. Well, the other candidate saw my name on there and pulled himself out. So I was the only candidate running for the fourth time. <laughs> so finally, when it came to the next election, I just said, no, somebody out. We need to let other people get involved. Right. Don't put my name on the ballot again. I, I, re, I refused to run. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. I did. Right. But we needed to get more people involved in the organization. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah that was, um, I kind of remember some of those days, you know, like I told in, in John's podcast, I remember the first, um, the thing that always amazed me was that when I went as a student rep in the late early nineties, um, right after Lido was there is that I sat around that table and I went, I didn't realize the influence that Ball State Athletic Training had on that board. I mean, you had you, you had um, uh, Coddington was on there. Um, uh, um, um, I don't remember who else. Yeah. John, John um, oh, now it's, I can't. <laughs> um, no, there's so many names and so long Jim, ago. Uh, Wabash, Jim. Um, Wabash, Wabash. No, um, now I'm, I'm thinking to Paul, Jack Mansfield. Jack Mansfield was Wabash. Yeah, there we go. Jack Mansfield was on there. Yeah, he was Wabash, not DePaul. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. You had that. You had um, Monica Schrader was the secretary at that time. Um, yes. You know, it it was it, it it didn't hit me until after the fact that that there was that much influence coming from this our athletic training program and. Um, and Steve, you could even throw Steve in there a little bit because he got his master's here a little bit. And there was some connection there as well. But but that's the thing about it is that um, that philosophy of of people first and 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 and, a, and some and some work ethic and those types of things that were instilled from from Jim and Ron and 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 that, you know, along that way with with really Jim and Ron. I mean, yeah. not taking anything away from Don or Ruddy or anybody else, but right. it was that it was that philosophy that really got instilled in a lot of those people, um, that really probably made it work in that aspect of getting that thing off the ground. And um, and you know that's that's something that I think um, goes unnoticed by a lot of people uh, with that. And and um, and again, that's kind of what this whole podcast is about, to talk about these things and get it out there to right. other folks right. that that, yeah. that may not know that. So Well, and even, even as I stepped down as treasurer, I couldn't stay out. Right. I mean, I, I came in as the fall meeting exhibits coordinator. Right, yeah. And I did that for two or three years. And then uh, uh, I forget who the gal was that was the overall fall meeting coordinator, but she stepped away and I stepped up and I did the fall meeting for five or six years yeah uh, ran some of the largest at the time uh i mean it was fun yeah so and those and those meetings were fun i mean and i'm not saying these many the meetings now are not fun it's just it, i don't know it's just it it's just a it's just so it's different, different. i guess yeah it's different yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well one of the things i know that you did that was probably paid you really well but probably was a lot of fun was working Nike basketball camps. 
So can you talk about how that got got going? How that got how you got involved with that and then and then and then yeah. some of the experiences with that because I don't think a lot of people know that you did that. 25 years, 45 different events. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. All America Camp for Boys, 18 of them, eight girls All America Camps, Jordan Classics, Hoop Summit, two skills academies. Okay. Uh, it got it all got started because Nike had been doing it at Princeton, but the athletes were complaining because the dorms were not air conditioned because <laughs> it was always the first week in July. Yeah. So, so they were looking around. Indianapolis was at that point starting to advertise itself as the amateur sports capital of the world, and <clears throat> they looked at NIFs. They looked at Indy Sports Corps helping them come and in the process got involved with my athletic director, Bob Lovell at that time. <clears throat> Rich Shoebrooks was the contact from Nike and he just asked Bob one day, he says, hey, do you know any athletic trainers locally that could help us? And he said, yeah, my guy, my guy's a great guy. Uh, so the next day, Rich calls me and says, hey, we're bringing one guy that we brought from Princeton in but could you coordinate a handful of local athletic trainers to help us? I yeah. said, sure. Well, it became more than just that. <laughs> I mean, I did everything. The guy from Princeton, uh, I don't even remember his name now. And he wasn't, he was from the Princeton camp. He wasn't from Princeton University itself. So don't get right. that wrong. He was just somebody that Nike had brought in to work those camps. He shows up. Two hours after we're already into our first practice, an hour later, he goes and finds a barbershop to get a haircut. <laughs> it's just, it wasn't good. I mean, I had, I took all my tables over to NIFS. I, yeah. got, I, I bought the supplies. I, I got the guys, we set it up. We did everything. Uh, he was not invited back the next year. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, it grew. I mean, they would, for the, guy, for the boys camps, they would bring in 226 high school kids, to be seniors, to be juniors, occasionally a few to be sophomores. We had three courts inside NIFS. We had the two courts here at IUPUI. Uh, and then I had treatments going on back in the hotel. Uh, so yeah, I would, I had 10 local athletic trainers working with me for those 18 years. Yeah, and not always the same 10 every summer. I, I did try to spread that around. I also looked at different people's schedules. But then one of the things that I thought about as well was giving back to Ball State. So yeah, I worked, I worked with Neil quite a bit and got your best male student at that time to come down. And uh, if nothing else, it's a resume stuffer that he worked oh, yeah. at Nike All-America camp. Yeah. Uh, the pay wasn't great. Um, I think it was three or $400 for the week, but because it was Nike, they gave you all the, I mean, you had to wear Nike apparel all the time. Right, right. I added one week's up. And I mean, if, if you went to Dick's Sporting Good and bought all that stuff, it'd be somewhere between 24 and $2,700 worth of gear that they were giving you. So yeah. <laughs> that, that kind of made up for the lack of pay, but I mean, you, you got all that clothing, but yeah, it was a great resume stuffer for those kids from Ball State. Um, but from that, then Nike had these other events, the, 
the Jordan Classic, the the Hoop Summit, the Skills Academy. Yeah. Well, the Jordan Classic had actually been the Capital City Classic originally, but Nike sponsored it. Then Michael wanted to get involved once he started playing in Washington. Uh, so they changed the names, but they had tried to hire locals. And the locals with the traffic and so forth, sometimes they didn't get there on time. Whereas with me, they brought me in. I was in the hotel with the teams. Bingo. Yeah. I, I then hired a local from DC that I could trust. Right. Uh, I, I knew a young man, very excellent. In fact, I think he's now the head sports performance person for the, the Washington, whatever the WNBA team is. Uh, who, who was that? Uh, Naveed was the first name. I can't pronounce his last yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Got it. But, but yeah, he helped me. Um, and we did that for eight, eight or nine years. I forget. Yeah. Um, we then moved up to New York, Madison Square Garden. Oh, wow. We've been in, we've been in D.C. playing at, at Washington or Maryland, excuse me, Maryland's gym, which I've got a story for you in just a second. Yeah. Uh, but then they moved it up to New York City, Madison Square Garden, because they wanted even more press out of it. Yeah. Okay? But yeah, the last year in D.C. was LeBron's year. Okay. Okay. Now, Naveed would always let me pick whatever bench I wanted to sit on for the game. I mean, obviously we had to have one on each bench. Okay. So I picked LeBron's. And for, for an all-star game like this, you know, most of them are just a lot of run and gun. Right. The other team had Shannon Brown, who ended up going to Michigan State, I think. But those two, LeBron and, and back and forth, yeah. it was a true team game. I mean, yeah, it was 133-131 at the end. Yeah. But it was a game. But halfway through the second half, LeBron gives a signal, wants to come out of the game. He comes down and lays down on the floor right in front of me, looks up at me and goes, stretch my hamstring. Now, again, I'm going just mentally to myself, oh, crap. In three months, he's going to be the number one draft pick, and he just got hurt on my watch. Yeah. I jumped down on the floor, you know, all the typical questions. I start the palpations. I start stretching it and so forth. And all of a sudden, I remember he's laying on the floor. So he raises his head up to look at me and he goes, hey, man, I'm not hurt. You needed some TV time and I knew cameras, to be honest. <laughs> what 18-year-old thinks of things like that in the middle yeah. of a ballgame? Yeah. He was definitely a man ahead of his time. Yeah. I mean, he thought about things like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I wanted to kill him. I was scared, <laughs> of, I was scared of death. I, he got hurt. But he's thinking of me. You need some yeah. PC time. And I, yeah. yeah, I look up and there's six cameras. Yeah. You know, yeah. those big shoulder mount things, guys are pushing people out of the way. Yeah, what's up with him? What's going on? <laughs> I'm I'm I've been living that the last couple of weeks with our with our recent addition to our team because he you know he's been a he's been um he's been out a little bit with some stuff but um, people calling or texting and are like we can't talk to you guys about this. <laughs> well, I also worked what was called a skills academy mm -hmm. back when Kevin Durant was a 
junior in high school, I think. Yeah. But they they brought in about 20 of those high school kids to Portland, Oregon, Nike's headquarters. And that was kind of the start of what is now the Olympic movement at the younger age for basketball players. Right. Uh, but we're there one day. It's a morning practice. And they're teaching jab, step, drive, jab, step, drive. And I'm walking behind. And all of a sudden, as Kevin's doing it, I go, travel. And again, coming from the athletic trainer, everybody just stops. What'd you say? I said he traveled. They stopped everything. They ran over, watched the video, slowed it down. And sure enough, his feet were so fast, he had traveled. Okay. <laughs> at, at lunch, at lunch, one of the young coaches, an assistant coach someplace, looks at me and just goes, you're an athletic trainer. How do you know so much about basketball? My same response, sir, I'm from Indiana. Now, Jay Billis, the commentator, was there as an evaluator. Yeah. He just about falls out of his chair laughing because he knows exactly what I'm meaning. Yeah. Everybody in Indiana knows basketball. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's amazing, you know, and again, um, you're an athletic trainer first and foremost, but you can't help not get sucked in some of those things and just recognize things from just the amount of games and workouts and practices and stuff that you see. And it's funny, if somebody's really paying attention, they'll come ask you what your opinion is. And you feel a little bit awkward giving your opinion because you're not a basketball coach, but you've seen enough that, that, you know, that, that there's something going on there. And, and right. um, well, see, I, I even feel as an athletic trainer, you need to know the movements of your athletes, no matter yeah. what the sport is. Yeah. I mean, I was watching the Georgia Alabama game the other night on TV. And when the Williams kid went down and they came back on the second replay of it, ACL. I yeah. mean, you could you could see the valgus move, and you could see the tibia come forward. Yeah. It, to me, and again, like you say, all the years of experience, that was very obvious to me. Yeah. No, and that's it, it's funny. I'm on this Facebook group, secondary secondary school athletic trainers. Just, just Trent Trump turned me on to it because um, th there's there's some valuable discussions on there. But there's some discussions in there like it's like these these newer students didn't have a mentor. They didn't have somebody they could talk to about this. They right. didn't. Have, they, they, they pose these questions. And, and I'm not saying there's a bad question with posing that. But but they're posing questions on there that that somebody like myself would call you and go, hey, Jay, I've got this situation with this kid. You've got all these years of experience with college basketball what is up with, you know, how can you help me with this? Or, you know, right. I call Ralph or I call it Tony or, you yeah. know, I wouldn't put it out there for everybody because I respected the amount of experience. I wasn't just going to put it out to the general consensus. I was going to put it out to people that I know and I trust and I have connection with uh, to do that. And they were all debating this. Like, isn't that, is it an ACL? Is it not an ACL? Is it this? I mean, I'm like, you folks, that's great. That's a great forum for you that don't know, but I would, if I was questioning that, I would go talk to somebody that I trusted 
to do that. And that seems to be the one thing that's lost anymore in, in right. that aspect is that. Uh, and I, th I think even reading some of the older data, I mean, I had an orthopedist when I was at Cincinnati by the name of Frank Noyes. Yeah. Now, number one, we had to teach him bedside manner. <laughs> well, the athletes would call him Dr. No Yes. <laughs> yeah. After the game or on Sunday morning treatments, he would say, No, there's no way you're going to be able to play next week. Yeah. And he reevaluates on Friday and he, Oh, yes. Yeah. You're great. Jay, Bill did a great job rehabbing you. You can play tomorrow. But anyway, he did, he had done a lot of the preliminary researches on ACLs. And the one thing that I took from him, and I still tell people this, there is no such thing as a partial ACL tear. It may show up on an MRI as a partial tear, but because it's lost its blood supply, it will disintegrate and it will tear completely within the next few months. Yeah. So, you know, I've always told all of mine who didn't go to my team docs, because my team docs believed in that philosophy as well. I said, hey, don't let them tell you it's a partial because it's going to tear completely sometime. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, along with the experiences, I mean, having good docs that you work with as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't ever be afraid to ask somebody for some assistance. I don't know how things go today in the master's program. But I was really upset when students were limited in what experiences they could gain. Yeah. I mean, mine will tell you, and I'm, you know, I was back in the old internship program with my students. My students appreciated being able to go on the road with a team yeah. by themselves because they always felt that here I was there. Yeah. Even though I tried to tell them up front my evaluation is going to be evaluating your evaluation. You're going to do the first one. I'll do the second one. You need the experience. You need the hands-on. I'm here to mentor you. But so then when they, you know, when they go on road trips, they felt confident. They knew what they were doing. And I, you know, you ask about some of my students in Cincinnati. Well, some of my students from IUPUI, when I did have the program, I mean, I, I can count at least five or six that were major college head athletic trainers. Yeah. I had one that made it in the NBA for 10 years. Yeah. Seven as an assistant, three as, a, as the head. Uh, probably 10 or 12 of them went on to PT school. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I had a limited number of students I had, but they all did great things once they yeah. left me. So, yeah, it's, 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 um, and, and I, the, the, the purposes of this is not to point out the weaknesses in, in, in the current education system. Right. Um, it's, but it's to, to kind of amplify or elevate um, the, 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 the way of doing things in the past because it did teach. And it's kind of like I said, when they made that move from the, the, certification exam the way it was with a written part and a practical portion and a written sim to all computerized my argument was is that as athletic trainers whether you're at the secondary school level the college level the professional level if you're in a clinic sometimes you have to perform in front of people 
And there's a certain level of stress that goes along with that. And if you do it in front of a computer, it's not the same thing. I don't yeah. care what it is. <laughs> and, and that's one of the things I, I've talked to some young athletic trainers um, oh. that are straight out of school that said the most terrifying thing, even though they had, you know, the, the most terrifying thing was the first time that they were by themselves, they're at a high school, they're maybe at a high school and they're a high school football game and somebody goes down and they got to go out on the field and make a decision like, do I get this person up? Do I not get this person up? Do I activate EMS? Do I not activate EMS? They go through the whole scenario and they, they, then they're like, well, crap, these people are waiting on me to make a decision. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and they don't know what to do in that scenario. Whereas in the practical portion of the exam, you had people in front of you that were judging you that, you know, were evaluating you, scoring you. And there was a certain level of pressure that you learned how to deal with in that aspect. And exactly. as examiners, we both saw it. I mean, there were some people you're like, that person is never going to make it. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> And there are some people that did really well. As yeah. examiners, you love sitting there, seeing the pressure, just your presence was putting on those yeah. young pups coming up. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> but, but um it was gonna be helpful down the road. Yeah, it does. It, it it is helpful down the road. And and um I think that's the the thing that that I wish we could get back to some way, shape, or form because you can't yeah. even you can't emulate that just <clears throat> excuse me, you can't emulate that doing like signing off on a on a proficiency or something like that it's not the same thing it's not real life it's not the same thing it's not it's not what you deal with and and um i i think they spend you know it's, it's interesting now i think that they that that um katie is spending all this time of of trying to come up with ways that we can you know onboarding and all this other stuff to get these young athletic trainers up to speed to be on their own with that when they had it all along if they had right. just left it alone, <laughs> you know. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you can't knock hands-on experience. Yeah, you can't. I, I don't care how good you are with the textbook. Yeah, I mean, you can sit there and say, page three fifty-six, paragraph two, line three. It says this. Yeah, well, there's your athlete. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I've, I've got to kind of wrap this thing up a little bit, but, um, but, you know, is there, my last question is, is there, is there anything that if you could give one piece of advice to um, a young athletic trainer and maybe we just summed it up, I don't know, um, or, or some story that you would share that you think might help them along the way, what would that be? Well, I, I think, Yeah. Because I've got another little story that goes along with that. Yeah. That I, I want to share with you as well. But treat everybody with respect. Get as get as much experience as you can, but treat everybody as an equal. I used to say, even though I didn't have it, but you know those numbers you used to pull at the meat counter? Yeah. Who's next? Who's next? I didn't care if you were the, the star or the bench. When you walked into my training room, you got treated by whatever number you were when you walked in everybody was always treated equally and a, a little story that goes along with that one day i'm walking down towards my athletic offices when i was still the head athletic trainer and the head basketball coach a father and a son who obviously was a recruit were walking towards me as we got close enough 
without saying a word, the father and I hugged. The coach is just, what's going on? Yeah. When we unembrace, the father looks at the coach and goes, if Jay's here, David's coming here. It was Derek Dickey. 15 years in the NBA, one of my players at Cincinnati. Yeah. 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 He had that much still respect of me. Yeah. To take care of his son. Yeah. But it was the way I took care of him. It was the way I took care of everybody. Yeah. I think experience is important, but I think the way you treat people is even more important. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it, it is our... You know, people talk about legacies and what you leave behind. I mean, that truly is what we leave behind is, right. is that, that the fact that somebody res- that, that you took care of respected you so much that they were going to entrust probably the most important thing in their life um, or one of the most important things in their life for you to take care of. And, and um, you know, that's, I, I try to tell kids, I, in fact, I got a kid in surgery right now that I would be there had it not been for COVID protocols, um, you know, to, to do that. And, and I, it killed me because I was like, I, I would want to be there. I want to be in the waiting room. I want to try to be there as much as I possibly can to support this kid and their parents and his parents. Oh, I even Um, went further. I mean, back when we were still the small NAI program, I went into surgery on every one of my athlete surgeries. Yeah. Just the parents would see me, they'd see me in the scrubs. I walked in. I mean, I didn't do anything. Other than just watch, so right. I know exactly what happened. But yeah, that caring was important to everybody. Yeah, yeah, no. And again, I think that's kind of the way. That's the way we. That's the way we do things here um, at this institution. And, and I'm always thankful for the education and the connections. And and that's why I wanted to do this. This right. podcast was to 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 highlight some 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 great athletic trainers that have come through this program and and um and kind of talk about the, those types of things as long as and the fun things along the way too oh yeah you know oh, obviously yeah. obviously I, I guess i do have one more question okay um i got all day guess, so. yeah i know i know I, I i i'm supposed to be in a staff meeting right now but i'm not going to worry about that uh, yeah yeah but but i asked connington this and i asked jd this but but um they're not asked but i asked Sindri this but any, you talked about JD coming down and picking you up. Did you have any Dickerson stories from your time as a student here or any other stories along the way that, that, that you can tell that would put a smile on our face? <laughs> Cause there was, I'm sure there's a lot of them. Well, by today's standards, it's not politically correct. No, nah, it's a podcast. We don't care. Okay. <laughs> so let it go. <laughs> I don't know how many of you remember that little English Ford car he had. No. But one day, he and I are driving across campus. And we see, and I'll, I'll try to be as correct as I can. Uh, yeah. A vertically challenged young lady in a dress. And he goes, She's so short that when she farts, she's going to blow sand in her shoes. <laughs> I about lost it right then. Yeah. 
that was JD. <laughs> no, I I've mean, been, I've, I've been to so many conventions where after hours, it's three and four in the morning before we finally decide <laughs> to go to bed because he's in there telling stories. Yeah. I mean, and the room's packed. I mean, half of them we don't even know. They've heard from the hallway. They've heard some of the stories, and they just step in to keep listening. So, yeah, it was fun times. No, it, and and that's it's okay. I mean, I mean, Coddington told this story that he was babysitting over there one night, and and um, I don't know if you listen to John's podcast, but no. he, he's 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 telling the story that he was over there one night, and and um, and and I don't know if this was a a joke or it, it could be a joke, but it was, he had overheard Jim and Carol talking and Jim was stressed because the school of physical education was going to make him take a physical and they were going to need what he was nervous about. He was going to need, he's going to need a, a stool sample, a urine sample and a semen sample. And it's supposedly Carol told him, we'll just give him a pair of your underwear, Jim. So, so, so but, uh, I mean, all of us back in those days at some time babysat. Yeah, that's what that's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> so one night I'm over there and I had just become engaged to Beverly. So she comes with me as well. And they've gone out, Dickerson's had gone out with the Sindries. Well, Sindries were then going to drive us back to campus. I had just gotten contact lenses. Now they were the old hard ones. So they yeah. dried out quickly. So Beth comes in the house and goes, I want to see Jay with his contacts. Oh, you've got your glasses on. I go, Beth, I'd look just like this if I didn't have my glasses. <laughs> oh, no, I got, I got one more. I got okay, one more. good, 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 good. One summer, Snowball and I are staying upstairs at Sindri's house. Okay. Okay. And Dickerson's are over for a cookout. And I forget which daughter, but Ron goes back into the house for something. And I'm sitting upstairs studying with the window open. And I hear her go, Dad, how big is Ron's washcloth? And Jim goes, what? Well, Dad, his face goes all the way back to here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, Snowball might have told you that we almost got kicked out because we were teaching Todd big time wrestling. Some of the plaster downstairs fell off into Ron's lap as we're bouncing around. So. <laughs> There's a million of them. I know you got to go. I know. No, no, it's good. That's awesome. <laughs> does, Todd, does Todd remember that? I don't know. He was only two at the time. Yeah. <laughs> probably not the last time that something got destroyed at the Sindri house because of somebody teaching somebody something so right well I mean <laughs> I mean Sindri tells that story himself he said yeah I almost kicked Jay and Snowball out just they were they were wrestling upstairs I thought oh, the ceiling was going to come on top of me <laughs> <laughs> well listen Jay this has been awesome and uh yes, it has. thank you I, I thank you for coming on and 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 doing this um and again, there may be a chance where um, I can get a couple of you guys together because I know that when we did this with Rex and, and Neil and Tony, it was a blast because things started coming up that other guys didn't remember. And, and that's my hope is that, that we can do some of these individual podcasts and then uh, have some people together to come in and do some stuff. And, and um, 
Uh, I know Snowball, I talked to him the other day. He's got to finish up his his second part where he talks about him and Hoover stuff on the road and and um and maybe you and you and Snowball would be a great podcast too. So um yeah. but but I thank you I thank you for coming on and um and, thank you for having me. Yeah, and, yeah, and it was it was great fun, like I told you it was gonna be. And and uh like yeah. I said, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime. So all righty, thank you. Yeah, so we're going off the roll with Jay Bradley. Thank you. I want to thank Jay for coming on the podcast today. Um, it was great having a conversation with him. He had some great stories. He's had some unique experiences um, as an athletic trainer. And um, it was great to hear those stories and hear some of the background on how he got to Ball State and how he got to Cincinnati and then how he ended up at IUPUI. Um, again, I think what we're learning in some of these discussions is that um, a lot of times these athletic trainers were kind of pioneers in a new setting. Um, that they didn't even know that they were doing. And uh, that's kind of why I wanted to do this to reveal this. So give us some feedback on off the roll podcast at gmail.com um, or on my, on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page. Um, and, uh, and well, like I said, we've got some exciting podcasts coming up here in the new year that I'm lining up. Um, maybe a few surprises that are not going to be ball state alums, but should be interesting talks anyway. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Have a great day.